Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Sunday, December 4th, 2022, approximately 4 p.m., and here I am. For those of you that don't know me, I'm a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions, so I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with, and others you won't, and I'm fine with that. If you're looking for a place that only regurgitates what you think, you're probably in the wrong spot. If you're truly open-minded and you're looking for a different perspective, maybe you're in the right spot. Either way, this is the only podcast on the interwebs that has nothing to do with the title. I used to live in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua, and I owned and still do own a tourism-based sailing business. However, I've moved back to the States. I'm participating in the rat race and I'm the co-owner of a brewery. If there's one thing you'll learn about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. I feel like we're living in a time where people are learning how, or they're, they're forgetting how, to disagree. In any case, this is all my opinions. I'm not here to spread facts. I'm here to give you my perspective on things. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an unbiased source of news, because I'm not. I, I listen to other news sources. I'm sure it affects my opinion. I'm nothing more than a guy who thinks things and figures out a way to say them. And my goal is that you become one of those people too. But enough about me. Let's talk about what's going on in the world. Sit back, relax, and take off the rose-colored glasses for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Well, 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 here I am, back, back again. You know what's weird about this time of year? Yes, you're right, the weather. Here in Texas, I am thankful that I live here. I'm happy to live here, but man, if there's one thing I could change, it'd be the weather. You know, I guess that means I'm getting old. I think about the weather. I look up the weather. I talk about the weather. I whine about the weather. I complain. But either way, I wish that it wasn't the time of year whereby you have to set your air conditioner during the day and then your heater <laughs> at night. But I'm, I'm thankful that I have this app on my phone that allows me to set up what's called auto mode. And it allows me to have, if it gets below this temperature, turn on the heater. If it gets above this temperature, turn on the air conditioner. Because that's, that's what we're doing right now, this time of year. I'm most thankful that I live in a country which most people's homes are heated and air-conditioned. This is one thing pr- people forget about when they, when they talk about how great it would be to live in Norway and all these Scandinavian countries that everyone thinks is so wonderful and they have so many benefits and they have so many choices that the government graciously gives them. They do have all this Medicare. They do have all this paid time off. They have all these things that are provided to them by their employers at the mandate of the government. But what they don't have, they don't have RVs. They don't have backyards of any substantial size. They don't have washers and dryers. They don't have five refrigerators in their shop outside back. They don't have deep freezers. They don't have riding lawnmowers. See, there's a trade-off. I don't know who it was, but somebody way smarter than me 
coined the phrase, there are no solutions, there's only trade-offs. And when we think about these other countries and we look at these lists of how great they are and how wonderful they are, they exclude things like number of hobbies, what it costs to buy a beer at the bar, how much time and labor does it take for me to earn a beer at the local tavern. See, they don't include these types of things. They don't talk about how easy it is to get in your car with your family and drive across the country. And that people can afford gas and road trips. When you go to Europe, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, gas is four or five times the price. You cannot load up an SUV with your three kids, your wife, your dog, and all your luggage and drive across the country. I mean, certain people can, but the average person cannot. And this is why I love America so much, is because it affords the, the average person the opportunity to experience things and to have things that most people around the rest of the world don't have. And I know there's people out there who say stupid things like, Well, Brandon, maybe having a bunch of crap isn't always the best idea. And I think that's fine that you're entitled to your opinion. And sometimes I say yes. I, I'm, I'm kind of to the point now where I don't want a bunch of crap. I don't care about buying things. Owning a bunch of toys is kind of something I've outgrown. But I do see the value in for people to have the option to do that. Right? That's what freedom is just, it's just a, more choices. When you're free, you have choices. The more freedom you have, the more choices you have. And no one will ever be able to convince me that a country is better off when you have a governing body who's mandating what has to happen and by doing so takes away your ability to have choices. I don't know what got me started on this tangent. Oh, oh yes. It was the, it was the fact that I have air conditioning and heating in my house. Not only that, but I have, a, I have an air conditioner in my garage, my detached garage. I mean, that's, and it's not like luxurious. If you go to Central America... I would say 80% of the people don't have air conditioning in their house, much less their garage, you see? And this is not due to anything other than we have the most free market. We have the, we have the less amount of government intervention. And I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care if these socialist people think the government should just be involved with everything and make all the decisions. That What I'm about to tell you does not change. And that is that capitalism allocates resources the most efficient way possible. It makes the dollar go as far as it possibly can. And that's a fact, Jack. You, you got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland, low minority, got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? He what? gave us a phone. He gave you he a phone? More. How do he give you a phone? You, you sign up if you're, you're on food stamps, you on social security, you got low income, you disability. Hey, I have a question. Okay, what's wrong with Romney again? Romney, he sucks. Bad. That's my favorite part. Romney, he sucks. Bad. Okay, what's wrong with Romney again? Romney, he sucks. Bad. You know, I can get on board with her. I can get on board with her. I think Romney sucks bad, too. I wish I knew this lady's name. I'd send her a card, and I'd say, you know what? There's probably a lot of things that we disagree about, but one thing that we disagree or that we agree about is that Romney sucks bad. Romney, he sucks bad. Amen, sister. Amen and amen. You know, there's something about people 
who who expect or want. I mean, that they want things for free, and they just think things should be given to them. And I think this is how you were raised. I was talking to someone not too long ago, and they were talking about an experience, and I don't want to get too many details, but they were talking about an experience, and they basically had uh, a company card, and so they would just look for the most expensive things on the menu and order them because simply because they weren't paying for them. And it didn't really sink in until a few hours later, and I thought to myself, has there ever been a time in my life where I thought, you know what, I'm not paying for this, so I'm going to get the most expensive thing I possibly can? The answer to that's no. I could not think of anything. Now, that doesn't make me any better. I'm just pointing out differences. I'm just pointing out that, that there's probably, we can call this two types of people. The type of person who will take anything for free, and not only will they take it, but they will find a way to make it the most expensive thing that they can get for free. Just because I guess it, it gives them some satisfaction to know that it was free. And I think I'm the kind of person who goes out to eat with someone, and if, they're, if they insist on paying, and I have agreed to let them pay, I'm not going to get the most expensive thing. I'm not going to get the cheapest thing. But I definitely would not get the most expensive thing. And I think that that's, that's a telling characteristic about someone. And I think 99% of that comes from how you were raised. Now, this is also, there's also two types of people. There's people that will, that will do more in the workplace in hopes of earning more in the future. And then there are people who will not do more until they're paid more. And like I said, you know, I'm not telling anyone how they should be. I'm not saying that, you know, from a pious perspective, well, this, this is how you should be. I'm just, I'm just pointing out a difference in the two types of people. And I feel like the more that we can identify these fundamental differences in behavior, the more we can understand why people have differing opinions. And the more people think that, you know, all MAGA Republicans want to hang everyone and just and take black people and string them up in the tree. When in reality, it's not the case at all. Also, don't forget to sign up for your free Obama phone. That is a new audio bit that you'll learn more about in the future. I don't, I'm just going to leave that at that. There's a lot more to come. This is about to get pretty interesting, but we're just going to leave that at that for now. And you know, the, the topic of late has been free speech again. So I feel kind of obligated to, to go there, as the kids say, or used to say. I guess they're like mid-20s people who say that now. But I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to free speech land for a second. Recently, all the drama has come about of Elon releasing all the information about Twitter, filtering and, and pulling down information that they don't like that, su that supported the Trump campaign or painted the uh, Biden campaign in a, in a poor light. And so... Elon Musk has since dropped all the information and the proof and given everything, put it out there in the public. So I think this is a good thing. The other side of that coin is the group of people who think, well, we can't really have right-wing extremism getting out there because we don't want people to like do bad things and do hate crimes. And I just think to myself, they must really think, there must be a group of people who actually thinks that some... Extreme Nazi 
could rally all of us stupid Republicans into thinking it's acceptable to cause harm to other people because of the color of their skin or their religion or their choice of gender or whatever. We, you see, the misconception here is that we're not violent. The right is not violent. Sure, there's some extreme skinhead groups, which everyone leaves them alone for whatever reason. No one actually goes after the real skinheads. But there's some extreme skinhead groups who think that black people should all be killed. But that's it's not even enough to acknowledge. We're, we've gotten to the point where we're just labeling everyone as a right-wing skinhead Nazi. And in my opinion, to be labeled as a right-wing skinhead Nazi, you've got to actually be a right-wing skinhead Nazi. So let's just say, let's just be hypothetical. Let's just say that someone doesn't like a certain race, or they don't like the culture, or they don't like the way that a certain group of people behaves. They're dissatisfied with it, and maybe they're generalizing, but for whatever reason, they don't like people with purple skin, okay? They think that people with purple skin are problems to our country, and they think people with purple skin are hard on our economy, and they take more than they give. Remember, we're just talking about this person's opinion. Let's call him... Archie Bunker, okay? Archie Bunker, for whatever reason, doesn't like people with purple skin or pink skin for that matter. So he doesn't like people with different colored skin. He just doesn't like them. Does that mean he wants to hurt them? Does that mean he wants to string them up like a pinata? Or he wants to hang him from a tree? I don't know. Maybe he does and maybe he doesn't. But I don't think it's a fair assumption that just because someone is a quote-unquote racist, and listen, I'm not condoning racism. I know, by no means do I think that's a good, a good uh, position to be in, or it's not a good function of society to have people hate other people strictly based on their skin color or their religion. But if we're all being honest, Christians are being persecuted the same way. Why is it that we're not allowed to tell Muslim jokes? We're not allowed to tell Jewish jokes, but we can tell Christian jokes. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but I think it's silly. And I think people should push back against that and they should question it. And you have to do it in a way that tiptoes. I get it. Because if you don't, then you just get shoved to the side in a pile of other people who have tried to express their opinions that are unpopular. But really, it just it gets me the most for these people to think that there's just a group of us who will blindly follow someone. And look, I know Trump was an example People blindly followed him. They loved his attitude. They loved that he didn't take crap from nobody. And so they identified with him. Now, there comes a point that we have to trust discernment. We have to say, yeah, you know what? They're just mechanics. And, you know, they're, they're maybe not as smart as us. We went to the Ivy League schools. We're all Harvard graduates. We studied school our entire lives. And we realized that these mechanic, knuckle-dragging hammer swingers aren't very smart. But that doesn't mean that they'll take up arms and go hurt people. Generally, hey, newsflash, guys. Generally, people that are Christians and that are from the South, they're not violent. They're not violent by nature. You, you want to see violent cultures? Go to inner cities. Go to the places where people think it's acceptable for five people to beat up one person because of the color of clothes they were wearing or because of the color of bandana that was hanging out of their back pocket. In my opinion, that's far more of a dangerous situation to be in. But once again, 
there's certain things that we're not allowed to say. We're not even allowed to share our opinions. And never once have I ever known anyone who's been talked into committing violence against someone for something as stupid as the color of their skin by someone on social media. Now, will you have the occasional nutbag who goes and takes a gun and shoots the place up? And he says, well, I got this because I listened to so-and-so. Yep, every now and then. Every now and then you will have a crazy person who does crazy things. But the person who, who the, the crazy person happened to listen to or happened to follow probably isn't the reason that they went and shot a place up. They went and shot a place up because they're crazy. This is the same reason why people die for their tennis shoes, because someone shot them for their shoes, and they are crazy. Now, I don't think we should cancel rap. I don't think we should stop rappers from talking about shooting people and making babies without taking care of them, even though I think that's a terrible feature for a society. I don't think we should stop them from saying it. We should let them say it, because that's that's their lifestyle. That's their opinion. That's the way they live. And I would rather them them put it out there and make it known then us just have to pretend like it's not happening because eventually people will see it and people will have had enough but what i'm seeing is that people that sit around and say we have to stop hate speech because there's people doing hate crimes on people for the color of their skin have never lived or visited anywhere where that actually happens they've never even seen it so what do they do? They just believe what the media is telling them. We're all just puppets of the media. We're just cogs in their, in their profit wheel. They just they put things in front of us to make us click on them and get us riled up so that we continue to click on things and continue getting riled up. And then what happens? We need that dopamine rush. We need the fix, that, that little adrenaline that we get whenever we speak our mind and we say or argue with someone and say, no, your, your dad's fat. No, your dad's, my dad can beat up your dad. Because that's a lot of what really happens on Twitter. In addition to the 19-year-old high school dropout telling some world-renowned economist that he doesn't know what he's talking about. So that that also happens too, but that's a different topic. My whole point is, we have to trust that people can discern. We have to trust that people can can listen to things that Ye has been saying and think to themselves, okay, now that he's saying he respects Hitler, and now that he's saying that Nazis were good and had a lot of good characteristics, now that he's publicly coming out and saying that we shouldn't be so mean to the Nazis, maybe we'll turn our back on him. And that's exactly what's happening. This is why I'm kind of excited uh, I, I'm out on Kanye. I can't I can't get behind him really anymore when he's going to say that that sort of thing. Because, listen, everyone's has a threshold. Everyone has a point at which they get to. And they're like, OK, no, we can't have that. We, and I'm not saying he should be censored. I do not think he should be censored. But me personally, it got to a point where my discernment light kicked on and I thought in my own head. OK, well, you know what? If he's going to say that kind of stuff. And he's, he's not going to articulate it better and more respectfully. If he's willing to just say those types of things without thinking them through and without qualifying his statements, I can't really say, oh, maybe he's right. And everyone has a point in time at which they get to that realization. And I believe wholeheartedly that everyone would turn on him. The minute that he thinks, let's just say that there's still people with him, that 
And for those of you that may have not known, Kanye went out this week and he said a bunch of stuff. I just repeated pretty much what he said. He was on Alex Jones' show. He said the Nazis are great, all kinds of stuff. Whether he's trying to get a reaction or not, I don't know. Either way, we have to trust that people will get to the point and say, okay, yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. Because, like I was saying, people who still agree with him now, to up to today, this point, and still think, well, you know what? He's right, man. The Nazis did have some good redeeming qualities, and they were... They did have some good things about him. We we should stop being mean to them. That doesn't necessarily mean that the the minute that Ye went to go round up Jewish people and put them in gas chambers, that all those people would still be with him. Because I feel like eventually everyone would turn on him. And they would say, oh yeah, no, we, we agree with what you're saying about certain groups of people having power and sticking together and giving preferential treatment and not following a moral guideline. We understand that. We even, these I'm talking about these extremists, we even think that, that white people shouldn't breed with anyone with different colored skin. We even think that we shouldn't go to the same schools together and we shouldn't ride in the same cars. And there are people out there who think this way. But even those people, in my opinion, would say, okay, yeah, even though we feel that way, we're not cool with putting them in gas chambers. We're not... We don't think they should be exterminated. And the people who do think that are so few and far between that it wouldn't matter. We have to learn to discount the extremists. We have to learn to shove their opinion aside that it does not matter. It doesn't matter what you people think. You people think that we should have a a governing body regulating the Internet and censoring every single statement. Guess what? I don't care what those people think because... It's so irrelevant. I know that no one's going to go for it. So I can't imagine asking someone to censor those people, right? Someone with 180 degree diametrically opposed opinions as me. The last thing I want is for them to be cut off because I want people to hear them. I'm not worried about people following them. I'm not because we all have a sense of right and wrong. We know what's acceptable. We've read the history books. And truth be told, hate speech is free speech. That's it. I mean, why shouldn't we be allowed to say what we hate? Why shouldn't we be allowed to say who we hate if we hate people for a reason that's retarded, that makes no sense, right? Do we stop the people that go to the movie theaters and stand up on the retaining walls and they have a Bible And they're telling everyone around them, you will all burn in hell. You must repent for your sins. You're all evil souls. Join me in rejoicing today, taking the Lord and Savior into your heart and stop before it's too late. You could die tomorrow and you would burn in hell. We don't stop them. We just let them go. Sure, maybe they're even disturbing the peace a little bit, but we don't put them in jail because that's what makes this country unique. Now, there are lots of countries that I've been to that you cannot do that. You can't even take out a billboard saying something about the president, good or bad. It is illegal. Do we want to live there? So it's just a slippery slope. The minute you start telling people what they can and cannot say is the minute you're moving away from America. Now, if somebody says, hey, I think we should gather up all the Jewish people and put them in gas chambers and burn them then I would be fine. You know what? Cut them off. Don't let them on your platform if you don't want them on your platform. But it's got to actually be extreme. And even then, even then, 
if I knew that there was no chance that people were going to follow a person who is, you know, advocating violence, I don't know. I don't know if I'd stop them. Because if no one's going to listen to them, they're just going to make themselves look dumb. And this is exactly what happened to Kanye West this week. He said some things that made him look so extreme that everyone turned on him. Even the people who, for the longest time, were saying, maybe he's got a point, maybe he's right, maybe we should hear him out, maybe we should listen to him. They have since said, oh yeah, no, we're, we're out on him now. And in my opinion, this has been a beautiful example of how discernment prevails. We're not just a bunch of lemmings who's going to get brainwashed by someone who screams out a bunch of random erratic thoughts. And I feel like a lot of this comes from the way that people blindly followed Trump. On the same token, if Trump would have come out and said, well, what I think we should do is we... I'm not good at Trump voice. I'm not going to do Trump voice. If he came out and he said, what I think we should do is we should all march down there to the Capitol. We should bust the doors open. We should march in there and we should tell him what's up. I don't think anyone would have gone. I know it's crazy. I think it's, I think it's an unpopular opinion, but that's really how I feel. In my opinion, I think what happened was they went down there to protest. They were going to march around with their signs. They were going to scream and holler. And somebody, which was could have been a plant, it could have been somebody, you know, part of Trump's team that had ill intentions, but someone kind of convinced them to go in there. My opinion is that it was a plant. It was somebody who orchestrated this whole deal to make it look like the Capitol was invaded. And I know there's people out there. Well, that's just a right-wing conspiracy theory, and you don't even know what you're talking about. But I've, I've since learned to take a new perspective. And I, and I ask myself, okay, let's just say if that conspiracy theory were true, would it surprise you? If we learned without the shadow of a doubt that, that someone orchestrated the storming of that building who wasn't part of the Trump camp and was part of the opposite, if we learned that, would it surprise you? And if the answer is no, it wouldn't surprise me, then we should keep talking about it. We should keep exploring it. And it's hard not to be jaded. It's hard not to say, well, my side's always right, and we don't ever cheat, and they cheat. So if someone says it about my side, then they're not right. It's hard to let go of that. And that's why I don't trust either side. I don't. When I hear these, these uh, conspiracy theories or whatever you want to call them, which I do kind of find it odd that all of a sudden all conspiracy theories are tied to the right, but either way, the first thing I ask myself is, well, if that was true, would it surprise me? And more and more times, the answer is no. And because of that, it it shows me to trust these people less and less. And as I trust them less and less, I assume they're doing worse and worse. I mean, whenever this stuff was released this week about Twitter interfering with comments about Biden and Trump, it didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise anyone. We're all like, oh, okay, yeah, now we have the proof. What What's going to change? Nothing. Nothing's going to change. Because people are conditioned to just saying, well, that's not true. That's not. This just not true. That's not true. When you talk about their beloved party. And I've said it once and I'll say it again, and the feds may come after me. I may, If I ever get shut down and you don't tell you guys why, you'll know. But it should be the people versus the government. It should be all of us versus all of them. 
They should be terrified of us. They should be terrified of getting voted out of office. They should be terrified of cheating, of stealing, of manipulating. They should be scared of it, and they're not, because we're failing. As citizens, as voters, we've failed to hold them accountable. How it's going to end, who knows? I don't know. Hopefully, some huge scandal comes up that no one can deny. But as we progress, I'm beginning to think that's less and less likely. Because no matter how much information we find, the opposite team just says it's not true, and that it's misinformation. But once again, the, the, the media and the politicians has this so split. We're 50-50 down the middle. We're pretty close to it. I don't know how they managed to do it. I don't know how they managed to get it split so equally, but they have. And it's, it's, it's weird to me. I, I would rather it be that way, probably, than, than one side or the other. But above all else, I wish that we would just do our job as voters and, and hold these people accountable. But, you know, there's not enough transparency. We don't, we don't get to see what happens. You know, we don't get to hear the phone calls. We don't get to see the emails, which, you know what? I would be fine. Make every email between all politicians public. If you're not willing to say what you think out loud as a politician, you should not be there. You shouldn't be leading the people if you're not willing to put your opinion out there. I, if I ever get elected to politics, I'll say, you know what? Make every single email of mine public within the public domain. If it has to do with the politics, has to do with the city council or whatever, you can read all my emails. I don't care. And I probably would never get elected. I probably wouldn't make it far. Number one, because I hate cocktail parties. And number two, because I normally can't keep my mouth shut. And that's why I think nothing's going to happen. Nothing. Nothing's going to happen to Sam Bankman Freed, this guy who ripped off a million FTX users. Nothing's going to happen to Trump. Nothing's going to happen to Joe Biden or Hunter Biden. Nothing's going to happen to Hillary. We have to let go of things happening to these people. We forget that these people run in the circle of people who make and enforce the laws. We have now on record that Sam Bankman freed this little weasel who ran FTX into the ground and ripped off a bunch of users from their money, gave over one hundred million dollars to politicians and who cares that it was only the democrats that doesn't even it doesn't matter to me which party it is i wouldn't want him giving 100 million dollars to the republican party i don't want anyone to give that much money to someone who has political influences to people who make and enforce laws because if they give you that money you got to do something in return you gotta you gotta enact a a piece of legislation or invoke some kind of subsidy you got that money's going to come back i guarantee you jesus christ is my nigga he's the son of the original g and he was sent to earth to elucidate the way that we should be so, so i mentioned sam bankman fried i'm going to give a little update i truly am sbf and ftxed out that's all I've been getting in my feed for like three weeks. So it's getting kind of exhausting. And I've now come to the realization that nothing is going to happen to this guy. So the word on the streets is that uh, I've already talked about all his political connections. I've already talked about all of his donations. So he's now started this apology tour where he's going on these shows. He's like, well, I don't know, but I'm just sorry. I'm so sorry. Let me just explain to you what this guy, he's like, he's 30 years old. 
He's about probably five foot nine. He weighs like maybe 160, but he's like soft 160. Like he's not the kind of guy you would ever ask to help you move or pick up something heavy or go tear down a fence or load something into a truck. He's not, he's not that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that say, hey, my computer's broken, bro. Can you fix it? That's it. He's a vegan, and he talks kind of nasally. And people call him a kid, but they forget that he's 30. This guy's 30, okay? So here's where we are. He's on an apology tour. He was on Good Morning America and the New York Times, and the media is just gobbling him up. They're just like, oh, it was just a mistake. He didn't know any better. He was just trying to do good because he built this persona of someone who's a trying trying to acquire wealth so that they could just give it away to all the poor people. In the meantime, he gave away $100 million to the rich, rich politicians. And so the media is gobbling it up. They love the fact that he's sorry. He just, maybe he made a bad decision. But I think what a lot of these people don't understand is that he went from zero, basically no company, to a company allegedly worth like $30 billion in a matter of three years. Now, he had an accounting team. He had a legal team. He had all these teams. And when he's been asked, like, so how did you identify and delegate your legal team? And his answer after answer nonstop is, you know, um, well, um, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, you know, he, he literally says, you know, about every third or fourth word. It's really, really, really annoying. But, you know, I, admittedly, it was my fault. You know, I, I take the blame for the fall. I was a CEO. Okay. But how, how did you pick your accounting team? You know, I, I really can't remember. Uh, it was three years ago. You can't remember how you picked your accounting team? You know, they're not asking him, like, hey, tell us some in-depth technical things about way you, the way that your accounting team is run. It's how did you pick them? You are the CEO. You're the founder of this company. And you don't know how you picked your accounting team? So whenever I hear him say, I don't know about all this stuff, it, the light bulb goes off. And, and one of two things. Either he was put in place by, by these politicians to crash the crypto sphere. Or he's just lying. He's lying. Because if he didn't build his accounting team, if he didn't build his marketing team, if he didn't build all these teams, who built them? Who built them? There's no possible way that you're going to sit there and tell me that you didn't know that all this stuff was shady and illegal. If, if you're not into and understand the way trading works, it, it would make sense to believe him when he's like, well, I don't know. I didn't know things were going to go wrong. But the things that he were doing, let me just see if I could think of an example here. Let's just say that you come up to me and you say, hey, Brandon, I got a $100 bill right here. I need you to hang on to this for me. Keep it safe and sound. And I take your $100 bill and I go hide it away somewhere. And then a year later, you come back and you say, hey, um, can I get that 100 bucks back? And then I was like, well, I spent it. What do you mean you spent it? Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't mean to, but I had to. I, had, I got in a bind and I had to spend it. Okay, well, are you going to pay me back? Mm, no, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to. How do you just let that go? How do you just let that slide? So after much deliberation, I've concluded that one, nothing's going to happen to him. And number two, I've kind of come to the conclusion 
because the whole the whole argument is is he guilty of committing fraud and taking people's money and doing things with it he shouldn't have been doing or did he really just not know any better and i think that it could kind of be a mixture of both i think it probably started out as him wanting to do the right thing realizing he was in a bind and then he was doing the wrong thing but kept doing the wrong thing and i don't th- i think he had good intentions i think he probably thought he could right the wrong he could turn the ship around but that doesn't change the fact that he knew when he was doing something wrong that he was doing something wrong right so if i take the 100 dollar bill that you gave me and i think in my head mm, i'm not supposed to go gamble with this money it's not my money but i'm pretty sure i can win i'm pretty sure i could take this 100 dollar bill and go turn it into $120. And then when they want their $100 back, I can give it to them and I can keep the 20 And so I think that he used that money to do things he wasn't supposed to do. And then he thought, oh, no, I'm in a bind. Instead of coming clean and saying, hey, uh, I made some little mistakes, he kept trying to fix it. And in doing so, it just turned into a bigger problem. It kept snowballing. And then he got to the point where he's like, oh, no, I can't turn this thing around. I'm going to have to just, just it's going to have to explode. And that would probably all happen within the course of like a week. So this whole like, did he commit fraud like Bernie Madoff? I don't think he did that. I don't think he set out to steal money from people knowing that he was going to eventually just shut off withdrawals and keep everyone's money. I think what happened was he started this company. He started trading. He made a little bit of money. People threw lots and lots of money at him. Big, powerful people that own venture capital firms who are willing to look the other way when they see shady things that are going on. As long as they're getting their profits, they don't they don't really care what's right or wrong. They're not doing it. They just gave this little guy their money. And so I think after all that money was thrown at him, he realized he was in a bind, but he knew that he had to pay them back. He knew he had to pay the powerful guys and all the big money guys their money back. So that left all the retail users, all the people that sent their, you know, thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars to his crypto exchange, it left them holding the bag. And so because because all these big guys were made whole, at least in my opinion, this is me speculating, because they were made whole, they don't they don't want him to go down. Because if he goes down, then everyone's gonna be sniffing around these venture capital guys who are who are funding his shenanigans. And so they're coming out and they're saying, well, we think that he probably just made a mistake. And, you know, it's probably not worth going after him. And so we're going to see what happens. But I don't think anything will happen to him. He'll probably get fined a couple hundred million dollar fine or something like that. He may get six months in a country club prison. But no hard time. You know, the the Enron guys, Kenneth Lay, Andy Fastow, Jeff Skilling. I think two out of three of them spent 12 years in jail each in federal prison. They were sentenced to 24 years. They each spent like 12, which, you know what? That's not enough time, in my opinion. If you walk off with a billion dollars, you piss away a billion dollars, you should have real time on your hands. Where did that money go? Somebody has that money, right? It, It didn't just disappear. The money ended up somewhere. So, yeah, I'm fed up with it. Nothing's going to happen. I'm over it. Let's move on. Uh, Bitcoin to the moon. Amen.
Well, I woke up to go get me a cold pop, and then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> then I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Hey, I ain't going nowhere. I'm still going to be right back in the streets. You did, because I'm innocent. I don't care what nobody got to say. Donna Goodo, ladies and gentlemen, Donna Goodo. Okay, up next, speaking of elected officials, I've got a nice clip from the wonderful mayor of Houston. This guy's name is Sylvester Turner, and he is, um, how do you say, um, how do you, well, you know what, I'll just let you listen. This is, this is his take on the way that we should have handled COVID, and it's some advice for the, the youth out there that's, that's maybe the troubled youth that are having some problems with their life. And you know what? He just wants a, a temporary solution just to get us through these hard times. Here, I'll, I'll let you take a listen. Here you go. And let me just make my plea. Until the coronavirus is resolved, criminals take a break. Just take a break. Just stop. Y'all stop robbing and pistol whipping until we, we get through this virus. Okay? okay. Stay home. Stay home. Okay, stay home <laughs> and don't commit any crimes. Don't commit any and crimes. And that way, they'll stay safe and out of jail. And police officers will stay safe. And, and let me just make my plea. Until the coronavirus is resolved, resolved. criminals take a break. Okay, stay home. Okay, stay home. And don't commit any crimes. And that way, they'll stay safe and out of jail. And police officers will stay safe and can go home to their families. Okay. okay. Yeah, Sylvester, good plan. Great plan. Listen, I know y'all like robbing. I know it. I know you like stealing stuff. I know you don't like to work for what you got. But we need y'all just stay home. Just just give us a couple weeks. Two weeks to flatten the curve, and y'all can go back to y'all's robbing again. You know what this reminds me of? There was a, oh, man, I think it was in Cleveland. And it was, or it was in New Jersey, maybe. And the the mayor encouraged everyone, to, <laughs> no gun violence for forty eight hours. And they, and I bought a t shirt. I ordered a t shirt online. I don't know what happened to it. I bet I still got it. But it was all about how we're gonna have a violence free weekend. So forty eight hours. They just wanted everyone to stop shooting each other, be home with your families, and let's just see if we can get through one weekend without y'all shooting up one another. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? And let me just make my plea. Until the coronavirus is resolved, criminals take a break. But why doesn't he say resolved? Why does he say resolve? Until the criminal... the <laughs> I sound like Sylvester Turner. Until the coronavirus is resolved, resolve, take a break. Resolve, criminals take a break. Take a break. Okay? Okay. Stay home. Okay? Stay home. And don't commit any crimes. And that way, they'll stay safe and out of jail. And police officers will stay safe and can go home to their families. Okay? So everybody chill. Crooks, criminals, you chill. Wait till the coronavirus is over. Okay? Wait till... <laughs> oh, man, the chill part. Let's get some more of that. Everybody chill. Everybody chill. Crooks, criminals, you chill. 
husband can go home to their families. Okay? So everybody chill. Chill. Everybody chill. Crooks, criminals, you chill. You chill. Just for now. Just just, just temporarily chill. Not permanently chill, just temporarily. Wait till the coronavirus is over. Okay? Wait till it's over. Then y'all can go back to it. I'm not worried about it doing after it. We just can't be robbing and killing people in the middle of the pandemic. Listen, listen. Why are we electing these people? But who who thinks that this guy's a good leader? Who thinks that this guy's got the qualifications to run a city? I I feel like that if you ran this by a group of eighth graders and you said, okay, here's our hypothetical situation. We've got a mayor, fourth biggest city in the country. No, we don't want to give it away. We've got a mayor, one of the largest cities in the country. We go into the coronavirus, the global pandemic. And you know what? This mayor says, hey, everybody, while this virus is going on, let's not do crimes. And then and then after that, we can go back to the crimes. I feel like the group of eighth graders would look at you like you're crazy. And why are we okay with this? How are we satisfied with this individual making decisions for the fourth largest city in the country? And I, I wish that I was not the only one that cared. I wish that everyone was mad about this because it's it's tough to be the one who's mad alone. And I'm not saying that no one else is mad. I'm just saying that we all sit around and we gripe. And none of us, and I'm, I'm including me, none of us do anything. What's the solution? I don't know. But I vote and never in a million years, would I vote for this individual or someone like him? And the only thing that statement is based on is how ridiculous the comments are that they make. It has nothing to do with anything else. I'll vote for a black person. I'll vote for a white person. I'll vote for a gay person. I'll vote for a straight person. I'll vote for anybody unless they're stupid. This person, I, you know what? I bet this guy can barely read. Supposedly he's been to law school. I would love to read some of his papers. Because after hearing him say these things and leave letters off the ends of words, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. And let me just make my plea. Until the coronavirus is resolved, criminals take a break. Okay. Stay home, okay? Stay home and don't commit any crimes. And that way, they'll stay safe and out of jail. And police officers will stay safe and can go home to their families, okay? So everybody chill. Crooks, criminals, you chill. Wait till the coronavirus is over, okay? Yeah, that's it. I I have nothing else to add. Let me tell you something. After dark, we all look Mexican right down the street. I do love me some Al Sharpton. I'm not going to lie. And let me say this to my African-American or black brothers and sisters that think this is not your fight. Let me tell you something. After dark, we all look Mexican right down the street. You know, one thing I love, I do love about the way that that the black people speak when they're passionate is that they get the crowd into it. They get them riled up. And I like that. I think that's a good thing. 
I want people, whenever I speak, I want, I want someone in the back to stand up and go, hey, man, brother, tell us. Tell us how it is. I like that. I do. I really do. One, two, three, four, five. Then the gators don't take no jive. All right. For my last and final trick, which I know is redundant, right? Last and final, it's redundant. I get it. Sometimes I like to say things that, that set people off a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Elon situation and Twitter. I'm not going to talk about the same things that everyone else talks about. Kind of. I'm going to add a different perspective of the situation in order to classify and rectify the dissemination and integrity of the situation. So you've got this company, Twitter. They weren't very profitable for a long time. They're still not. Never, never really all that profitable. They couldn't really figure out how to make the money thing work because they were spending so much money running it, it was eating up all their profits. Their advertisers were paying to post. They were posting the advertisers' ads. They were paying people in the background to manage all the computer things. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know how much labor it takes to run Twitter because I don't. I don't even, I could barely turn on a computer. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you could run it with 10 people because I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I do know that companies over time, if they don't have a leader who's highly vested in creating efficiency, everyone just ends up working. It turns into like a government entity, something where people are just motivated to do things that make their job easier. And people aren't concerned about costing money, costing the company money or profitability because they don't see any of that. They just see how much they take home every month. And after enough change in leadership and after enough status quo, Twitter's priority became, we must maintain the integrity of this platform. It's just not all about profits. It's all about just making it a safe place for people to share their opinions and not have to worry about any kind of hate speech. And so because of that, they became unprofitable. Cut to Elon Musk taking over, and he's completely the opposite, right? There's there's two kinds of leaders in the business world. Well, there's two kinds of leaders, and there's everyone in between. So one extreme would be the one that I just described. Everyone work from home. If you need to go take personal time off, you could take personal time off. We're not worried about docking your pay. We just want this to be a great place for everyone to work. So there's that. And there's the the founder. These are the guys like Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. I would say Bill Gates, but I'm not going to. I'm also not going to include Zuckerberg. But Jeff Bezos, these, these guys, Henry Ford, these are the guys that will sleep under their desk three hours a night so that they can wake up and keep working, that they don't have to leave. They don't want to go home because they're missing out on productivity. I'm not saying this is a good way to be. I'm not advocating that every business is run this way. I'm just saying that these are a type of people. And these type of people typically have businesses that are highly, highly successful because they thrive on pushing and creativity and efficiency and maximizing. And it's not always just about profit. It can be a personality type. And in my opinion, I think that's what it is. These guys are trying to win. They're trying to be the best at everything they do. And they're really successful at business because they're trying to win at business. And they're willing to give up their kids' baseball games, going out of town to see family on holidays. They, they give up all the things that most people do, that regular people do on a daily basis. And because of that, 
they get rewarded in the form of having a big business. And that we can assume that it's a reward because that's their goal. They're working for that. So to other people, that might not be a reward, and that's fine. That's how it should be. We shouldn't all be big tech startup founders because if we were, then, then no one would be around to flip burgers. So I get it. But people who have failed to see businesses or work for this type of leader they, they don't understand how it works. They don't see how it can possibly be sustainable to have employees that are just unhappy, that are being paid not enough for too much work. But you got to remember, there's people out there who are that way, that are kind of like Elon, and they're kind of like Bezos, and they're kind of like Steve Jobs. Now, maybe they're not willing to sleep under their desk, but they also want to win at their job. They want to do better than the people sitting in the cubicle next to them. And if Elon can surround himself with those kinds of people, then he might be able to make Twitter profitable. But what this is, in the, in the grand scheme of things, is that you are changing a culture. Not, not only just changing it, not shifting it, but doing a 180-degree turn. Because remember, the two types of people are, were complete opposite ends of the spectrum. The Elon Musk and the typical Twitter worker making three hundred grand a year that worked five, six hours a day, four days a week, and had options for all this free time versus Elon Musk, two very, very different people. 180-degree difference, I would say. And so he marches in there, and he tries to take the train that's going east and make it go west as fast as he possibly can because time is of the essence, money's ticking, he's paying interest on his loan. I just did some super, super rough math. And I don't, I don't have privy to any of these numbers. I don't know if they're right. But if Twitter can cut their labor just by 50%, if they can cut 50%, I think they'll be profitable and they'll make it. And I think that their labor will be cut by far more than that. I think it'll be cut by 60%, 70%. Time will tell. I don't, I don't get off on saying, oh, yeah, they're going to make it. They're going to destroy and I don't get off on saying, no, they're dying. They're going to the ground. They'll never make it. Because the truth is, I don't know. I don't know enough information. For me, it's like watching a movie unfold. It's interesting to me. I don't have to, I don't have to know the outcome before the end of the movie. I'm happy to let the movie play out. But shifting culture is hard. There's only two different ways you can pull it off. You can either get in there, roll up your sleeves, work with them, get the grit under your fingernails and show them that you're willing to do anything you ask them to do or they're willing to work for you just because they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to have to go find a new job and they're going to try to meet your standards out of fear. And that's far from accept, not, not acceptable. I don't like that style. I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I'm, I'm not here to say what's right or wrong. I understand that everyone runs their business differently. I think that if he can get in there, which it seems like he's doing, if he can get in there, show him he's willing to work, do the work that they say they can't do, then maybe he can build a culture of people around him that trust him. And they see, okay, this guy, he may not know how to write code exactly, but he's getting in here and he's doing everything he can possibly do to help us win. And if people see that and they appreciate it in him, they'll rally around him and they'll work twice as hard, three times as hard for the same or less money. You know, there's two kinds of bosses in the world. There's the there's the boss that you're constantly looking for a new job because you can't stand them. And there's the boss that if he 
left the business and he went to a little town called Salina, Kansas, and he paid you half your wages, you'd still go with him because you have faith in him. You know where he's going to take the company. You know what he's going to do. And so I hope that he's trying to be that guy. He's, And it's not so much about being nice. It's just confidence and the ability to make the company function as it's intended. And seeing the things in him that you admire, which is like he's willing to work hard. Yes, he's demanding. He asks a lot of us. But we're happy to try it. And we're going to do our best because that's kind of how we are too. We're just not quite as extreme. We're kind of a little bit closer to the former Twitter employees, but not all the way over there. We're kind of in between the middle ground and where Elon's at. And Elon has to decide, am I going to be satisfied with this type of performance or do I want that kind of performance? Another thing people fail to recognize is that coming into a company, you have the ability to let people go simply because they're underperforming. Whereas if you've been running a business for five years and there's Johnny and Johnny doesn't really do his job all the time, but he shows up and he's nice and everyone likes him. And you don't really want to fire him just because he's underperforming because, you know, he makes good coffee. And I get it. I understand that position of not wanting to let people go simply because they're underperforming. But when you come into a business and you're the new guy, it's a lot easier to do that. It's it's not as hard on your soul because you're not running off Johnny in in the former scenario because you appreciate all the little things that he did. But now you've got a goal, and the goal is to turn the business around as fast as possible. If that means letting Johnny go, then that means Johnny's going to have to go. So I, I understand where the guy's at. I know what he's up against, at least from my perspective. Obviously, I don't know it all. But it will be interesting to see how it all turns out. And, you know, a lot of people that have worked for Elon, they all say the same thing. Yeah, he's an asshole. But you know what? We kind of like him. We're willing to try. And you got to respect that. You got to respect. You can also respect the people that don't like working and don't want to commit extra time for extra money. You can like them too. There's no rule that says who you have to like and who you have to don't like. There's people out there that love a job where they don't really have to do anything. They just sit there and get paid. And you know what? That's fine. They probably won't make it very far. They'll probably live with their parents for a long time. They'll probably always be in financial troubles, but that's their prerogative. That's the beauty of this country is that we can have people who choose to sleep on park benches if they want to, and we have people who choose to do what Elon Musk is doing, and we have everyone in between. And that is what makes America great. All right, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. I'm going to play one last clip for you. Remember, I'm not stopping and starting it. I'm playing this clip. The next time you hear me will be the end of the actual clip. That our significant climate investment will, quote, help turbocharge the, emer- the, ener- the, the excuse me, tur- turbocharge the emerging global clean energy, co- clean energy economy. I was reading their quote, sorry. <laughs> Easy for you to say, Joey boy. Absolutely free of charge. That's right. Buy one, get one free. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Gallery furniture really will save you money. Why are you detaining me? You about to lose your job. You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me for nothing. All right. I think that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. I started out this podcast thinking, man, I don't really have a lot of stuff in my notes. 
I kind of see this one being about a 30-minuter, but it's not. Here we are. Cross the one-hour mark. Appreciate you tuning in to Life in Paradise podcast. I hope you don't think less about me. Actually, I really don't care. I don't. I do not care if people don't like my opinions. And I hope that everyone else is the exact same. With that in mind, I hope everyone has a great week. Go out there, share your opinions, laugh at what you think is funny, do something nice for people, eat some fried chicken, skip a workout, and keep it tranquilo. We got something going.